Easter is over, all right? Wrong. Thank you. Someone got it. All right. Yeah, Easter is, is, is a day that's uh, traditionally it's usually on the calendar, um, but the April Fool would say, oh, that's just the day and it's done, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Lord willing, I'm not going to preach too long. Uh, I don't have a lot of message to share this morning. I have a few scriptures, and we're going to recap a few things. So we just finished a major series and a uh, six-week series on victory, and uh, to be honest, I'm kind of a little spit. Um, from that, it was a lot of prep, a lot of work, um, getting that ready for the series. And I'm excited to uh, join us next week, especially because Brandon Basista, if you don't know, uh, it was our youth, uh, youth director there. Um, he's bringing the word next week, and he's sharing a bit of his story. And uh, I promise you, uh, you're going to want to be here, uh, because as long as he's been on staff, I enjoy every time I get to spin around that guy and see his heart serving for the Lord. So... Uh, great, great heart, great guy. You're going to want to hear uh, his story next week. And before we get into a new series, I just want to recap um, a couple of things. Obviously, Easter's not over, and uh, that's important to know. So I want to just read a few scriptures today before we have a, a time of sharing the Lord's Supper and communion this morning. And I'm just going to bounce around to five different scriptures if you'd like to follow along. And we're kind of going to recap what all that means first place I want to start off is where we left off last week, Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. And Jesus said to him, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. I think oftentimes, even on a morning like this, after Easter, it's easy to get kind of, all that's done, it's over the Easter egg hunts, the, the hiding, the painting, the candies, the sick of peeps, marshmallows, the whatever it was that you had last week, is like, you can finally take a breath and take a moment, because Easter's over. And if we approach every day like the ladies leaving the tomb, our mindset will be totally different because Easter is not over. It's a day on the calendar, sure, but the Easter that you and I should believe and know that happened, we should be coming every day and, 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 and worshiping at the feet of Jesus because He's still risen. Uh, there's that movie out now called God's Not Dead 3. I don't know how many of those they're going to make. Shouldn't it be called God's still not dead at some point? But that should be our mindset. Like, God's still not dead. Jesus is still risen from the tomb. So this is where we were last week. We're going to continue looking at a few other things. Just back a page. Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Matthew chapter 27, verse 51 through 54. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened, 
And many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city, Jerusalem, and they appeared to many. So, yes, Jesus died and was raised again in three days. But when he died, something else miraculous happened that we often just breeze past. A lot of other people were raised to dead the moment Jesus died and started walking around Jerusalem. So Jesus wasn't the only resurrection that happened that weekend. Is that sinking in a little bit? Is it? Yeah, one, one person, yes. Jesus wasn't the only resurrection that happened, and we put a lot of emphasis on Jesus, yes, and it's important. But what Jesus came to do wasn't just, just to show himself off and what he could do. It came to change the lives of others and open a door so that you and I could experience who he is and what he can do. And that's his resurrection power. So the moment he died, other people were walking around. We don't often talk about that. It's all, you know, passion of the Christ and, and Jesus on a hill, and that's great. No one shows walking dead like zombies or whatever. They, I'm sure they looked wonderful, you know, and, and Jesus brought them back to life. They looked great. But there were literal walking dead. People who had been dead for who knows how long are walking around Jerusalem. You think they believed in the power of resurrection? Yeah, it was in their face. You're like, hi, Uncle Bob. You've been dead 30 years. Hey, let's go. There he is. It's mind-blowing to think about. Put it in our context. If someone you know and loved and cared about suddenly was here and had been passed away for a long time and they were walking around, would our faith be just a little bit stronger in Jesus? Yeah. Should it be, though? should already be that way for us because Jesus is in the business of resurrecting. Let's keep going back to the book of Luke. Luke chapter, actually before to the book of Luke for you, but Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Luke 7, 11 through 17. Soon afterward, Jesus, he went to a town called Nain. Nain! And his disciples in a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. So he's walking into the city, and out comes a funeral procession. You've got an only son, dead man, widowed mother, so no one to take care of her at that point, if we knew the customs at the time. She was going to be poor and destitute and probably living on the street. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. Mothers, if you've ever lost a son can't imagine that being that comforting in that moment, right? Oh, don't cry. <laughs> what? And then he came up and touched the beer. He touched the, the, the palm bearer there, and the, and the bearer stood still, and he touched him, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up, and he began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother, fierce these them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Do you think that that woman, that widowed mother and the people in that village believed in the power of resurrection through Jesus Christ? Right. This is long before he went to Calvary on a cross and popped out of a tomb three days later. Right. Jesus was still in the business of resurrecting people. Let's go. Just a few pages over. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Two amazing things happen here. 
So Jesus is coming into this place, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him, because they've heard this word being passed around, like, hey, something's, wherever Jesus is going, people are getting fed, people are getting healed, lame people are walking, dead people are rising, something's going on with this guy. So a huge crowd following and waiting to see what was going to happen. And there was a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, where he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. More people, more people, more people. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, trying to get help and medical treatment, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, and he touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all declined it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you. They're pressing on, on, on every side. What do you mean, who touched you? But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And we've, I've preached a mission on this before, so right now we're going to keep going. So all that stuff going on. Meanwhile, Jairus is still there saying, I've got a dying daughter. Hello, I've got a dying daughter. And while she, he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, You know, it's too late. Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Don't worry about telling Jesus you know, this whole debacle with this other lady and there's too many crowds, you just couldn't get there at time. It's, it's too late. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Do not weep. Sounds familiar, right? Don't cry. For she is not dead, but sleeping. And they what? They laughed at him. Knowing that she's dead. They're like, like she's gone. Like she's gone cold. There's no heartbeat. She's not moving. She's not breathing. Jesus, you're probably a great teacher, but a doctor you're not, right? So we can all clearly see she's dead. And they laughed at him. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. She's been dead. Uh, feed her. That's the first thing you like to do, right? <laughs> Step one, raising dead person, feed. Um, and her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Another resurrection, right? Do you think that family, and then the, yes, it wasn't the giant crowd, and it wasn't the funeral procession. And it wasn't the people walking around Jerusalem. But do you think that those people believed in the power of resurrection through Jesus Christ? Yeah. Good news is we're not done. Book of John, chapter 11. This is our, almost, this is our last major scripture for this morning. Now a certain man was ill. His name was Lazarus. Of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. This is going back to a story. He said, Oh, it's that person, right? Whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love, this guy, your friend, your buddy, your, your compatriot, right? He, he's not doing well. And when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, 
It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He's like, ah, he'll be fine. Walk it off. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This is one of his close family. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Let's think about that a second. He heard he was sick. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm going to stay here a couple more days hanging out with these people. Does that sound like anything that you and I were like, no, you should be here, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. That's what we'd be doing. We'd be blowing up his cell phone. Come on, Jesus. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm going to hang out here. It doesn't make sense to us. But total sense for him. Then after this, he said to his disciples, you know what? Let's go to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Are you going to this place where they, they hate you right now? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of his world. If anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Like, he's just taking a nap. What are you talking about? Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, I picture, you know, Jesus like coming up and putting his arms or his hands on like Peter, like, listen to me. <laughs> Lazarus has died. Like, are you understanding what I'm saying? And Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. So let's go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. This boy is painfully confused. He has no idea what's going on. Like Jesus is like, no, no, no. Lazarus is dead. You, disciples, you just calm down. They have no idea what's going on. You don't have to die. This is about Lazarus being raised to life. So when, now when Jesus came, verse 17, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb. How long? Four days. Have you ever had something like a roadkill, like sitting near your house or something for four days? You know, even two days, you know, it doesn't smell too good, right? If you're like, what's that? What's that? You know, it, it doesn't take long for something to really start to stink. And Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and she called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Because remember, Mary stayed inside the house. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him because she went out of the town to meet him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, sounds familiar, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and also the Jews who had come with her weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And I said to him, 
Lord, come and see. And my father-in-law's favorite verse of the Bible, because he can remember it, Jesus wept. Sorry, I thought that would give it's two, it's just two words. All right, so Jesus, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of this blind man also have kept this man from dying? So everyone's asking the same question. Is this guy really as strong? Is he really powerful? Really as important? Really as holy as, as we think he is? Because if he would have been here, or actually he should have been here, and none of this would have happened. God, where were you? when I actually think I needed you the most. Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave. And a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the Lord, or sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. (laughs) That's an understatement. For he has been dead four days. Like, Jesus is going to stink in there. And he's been dead, and he's been laying in there, and probably little bugs, little things, starting to get really interested in my dead brother's, you know, body there. You really don't want to open this tomb. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people because they, they were all standing around and listening. I said, I said this on the account of people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice because they're all still outside the stinky place. He said, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And though it might seem a little bit hilarious, Lazarus came out of the tomb like this. Because <laughs> the way they wrapped up bodies at the time, he was covered in a total shroud, and he had his arms wrapped and tied, and his feet wrapped and tied. And he's trying to like, like this is how Lazarus came out of the tomb. It is pretty funny when you think about it, right? And so Jesus is like, and I'm sure everyone's just standing there like, he came out of the tomb, and Jesus is like, what are you doing? Go help the man walk. Like, get his, <laughs> go untie him. Get his, get, his, get his wraps off so he can, like, actually walk and talk and eat and everything. We have five separate accounts here of resurrection. And there are five additional accounts of resurrection, both in the Old and the New Testament. We're today just focusing on Jesus and what he did. And I want to just settle on this point this morning that we need to understand before we leave this morning. To Jesus, resurrections are not unbelievable. They're just standard operating procedure. To Jesus, resurrections aren't, what? He's like, yeah, I'm God. It's what I do. Death to life. And actually, when we go a step deeper, resurrecting is what Jesus does. He said, well, I am the resurrection and the life. And he healed so many lame people, right, who couldn't walk. They had dead legs, raised to life, they're walking. He healed blind people. They had dead eyes, right? Eyes didn't work, eyes dead. But then they could see. Resurrecting is what Jesus did and does and will do. And maybe you aren't physically dead in a stone tomb today. Anyone want to claim that one? I hope not. We need to have a conversation. Maybe you're not physically dead in a stone tomb this morning, but I guarantee you that there is some part of you or maybe even all of you that needs to die and then be resurrected in Jesus Christ. 
What I mean by that is, aren't we kind of like Martha? The story about Lazarus. Saying, Jesus, you really don't want to take away this stone. This, this area behind here stinks. These insides are dead and, and they smell. And they have odors like addiction or pornography or lying or, or cheating or hurtful words or anger problems. It smells like neglect for my family. It smells like gossiping about other people. It smells like manipulating situations, holding on to hate and not forgiving others. There's an odor behind this tomb. And every single one of us. And what Jesus is calling out this morning is the same words that echo through these stories. Arise! Get up! Death to the old! Life to the new. You see, the resurrection is not over. It wasn't an event that happened once a long, long, long time ago, and that was it. The resurrection is not over. It's just the beginning. Because we're getting, remember when Jesus died, hundreds of people are walking around Jerusalem that were dead. Jesus was in the business of resurrection. So why do we find it so amazing that he resurrected himself? Yes, it is amazing, but it's standard operating procedure because that's what Jesus does. And we forget that the power of resurrection still applies to us today. Like, I went to a homeless hospital and I saw this guy who wasn't feeling too good and I don't know if he's going to walk back out, right? That's not what I'm talking about. It could be because it's Jesus. What I'm talking about, that there's some part this morning in you and in me that needs to be left in the tomb have Jesus resurrected. Death to the old, life to the new. Just like Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, he's calling out something in each one of us. Something needs to die in order that he would raise us up new again. And here this morning, we have that opportunity to spend some time in reflection of what those things are and how the resurrection is not over for you and for me. It's a reminder that His work is not yet finished in us. Resurrection is what Jesus does. We need to let Him make us new again this morning. Before we share communion in a few moments, I invite you to spend just a short bit in prayer and thinking about maybe some areas in your life like what we're talking about this morning. We're going to come up and we'll share the Lord's Supper in a few minutes. Just a little piece of bread dipped into um, some juice. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But before we get there, I really want you to think about what part of you needs resurrecting in Jesus Christ. What area of your life is dead and needs new life? What area of your life needs to die so that God can grow something new? in its place is it anger is it resentment is it holding on to past hurts is it manipulating situations to kind of make it fit your best interests is it not having others or family's best interests at heart Is it not treating your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife the way that you should? 
I know one thing this morning, and I don't have to see inside anybody's hearts to know it. God wants to do something in your life this morning. I know that. I know that. His word tells us that. He's in the business of resurrecting. I've got a garden in my backyard I'm working on, and the interesting thing is, if you don't know this, whenever you plant seeds, and I've got 64 seedlings trying to get started from everything of lettuce and broccoli and all that kind of stuff to go along with the rest of my garden, the seed actually has to die, technically, for the plant to begin. See, the seed is just a little itty-bitty tomb. Itty-bitty tomb. When it opens up, new life begins. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, God wants to do something in every single one of our lives this morning. The question is, the question is what he asked Martha and Mary and every family he interacted with. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe I am who I say I am? Because if you do, it's time to walk out of the tomb. It's time to, it's time to leave the hurts behind. It's time for me to break the chains that are holding you back. Everyone's going to look around and be like, so I want to get, get the bindings off of that person because Jesus has done something in their, their life. They're walking totally new. Or that smell is gone. Or like Forrest Gump, new legs, Lieutenant Dan. Right? God's going to do something amazing in each one of us if we let Him and if we want Him and if we believe that He's still in the business of resurrection. Do you guys believe that this morning? This is the Lord's Supper. Matthew chapter 26. We left off last week in our final message in the Victory Series. Now that as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, He broke it and gave it to the disciples and He said, Take, eat, this is my body. And He took a cup and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant. Hopefully you remember that from last week, right? What the covenant really meant. The sacrifice, the exchange of, of robes and belts and weapons, the walk unto death, which is symbolic for Calvary. The exchange of names, how you and I are heirs to Christ. The Passover meal that, the, that they would celebrate, of the, the juice, the wine, and the bread, and finally the memorial. And we have no better memorial than the cross. So we know what the new covenant meant. So this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Tell you will not drink it again, the fruit of the vine, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus is still in the business of resurrecting. 